Here we are back on Talk with an Accent on Everything Southern. I'm John Rawl. It is the middle of the work week, and we have been working hard here on the Y'all Show to get you this Wednesday edition up and going. And I think it's going to be a real good one, y'all. And that's why you need to stay tuned for the next not one, not two, but three hours of Southern information, news, and just downright fun. That's what we aim to do here each and every day that we gather on y'all. If you want to get involved with y'all, a couple easy ways for you to do that. You can drop us an email. That email address is mail, M-A-I-L, at y'all.com. You can also give us a text or call. That is easy to do. It's 803-816-1170. That's how you can get in touch with the show all about the South. And don't forget that we are powered by y'all.com, the South homepage. Go there now and look up and find great information from across all 16 southern states. And you can go there 24-7. And if you go there, you'll see the Y'all Show right there at the top. Big, bright red and white button. And you can click on that and catch up with all of the Y'all Show episodes of which today's show will be a part of that. And if you miss out on that and you're looking for a way to kind of keep up with everything going on in the South, let me invite you to go to the various podcast options to retrieve the Y'all Show. We do this show Monday through Friday, except for next week. We won't be doing a show on the 4th of July on Monday or the national holiday, which is Monday. But we will be doing it uh, most weeks, five days a week, sometimes four. And so go to our podcast options to catch up with everything going on. And those options include Stitcher. That app, does it does a great job of keeping up with all things podcasts. We're in the iHeartRadio app. Check that out. A lot of you listen to iHeartRadio and the various stations and podcasts. The Y'all Show is part of iHeartRadio. All you got to do, log on and search for Y'all Show. And there we are, big red and white Y'all Show logo. And you just punch that and you're good to go. We're also available in Apple Podcasts. If you have a smartphone, an iPhone, and or an iPad, or you have a MacBook Pro and have the podcast option, check it out, Y'all Show. And it will magically download each and every day. You don't have to go looking for it. And it shows up like you've got a new email when you have a new episode of the Y'all Show downloaded and awaiting your hitting the play button. We're also, check us out, available in the TuneIn app. Many, many ways for you to stay in touch with everything going on in the South, and that's what we aim to do each and every day with the Y'all Show and your gracious host, General John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern America. Now, coming up on today's Y'all Show, we're going to be joined in just a few minutes by Jonathan Leifite. He is with 24-7 Sports and the CBS Sports Digital Network. Jonathan's going to give us the latest with the ACC as the Atlantic Coast Conference, in my opinion, has been royally screwed as NC State was sent home after a few COVID-positive tests, and they're not going to have a chance to win the Omaha World Series, but they've won the World Series of life, and we've already declared NC State baseball a national champion here on this y'all show. So we'll get Jonathan's take on that and tell him the big news that NC State can claim a national championship. And we'll find out what he has to say about that. Plus, I'll get his take on the retirement 
of Demarius Thomas of the Denver Broncos, a former Georgia Tech wideout. And we'll discuss how this guy in his 10 years helped lead the Denver Broncos to a Super Bowl championship and more. Also, other football-related stories going on in the Atlantic Coast Conference. All that coming when Jonathan Lifite drops in in just a few minutes. We'll also give you the latest in other sports news, including what is going on in Omaha. The Mississippi State Bulldogs on Tuesday bounce back in a convincing way. We've got the deciding Game 3 of the College World Series set for this evening, Vanderbilt versus Mississippi State. We'll also tell you about the breaking news on Tuesday in terms of the defending Cy Young winner from the National League, Trevor Bauer in a lot of trouble, it looks like. And I've been watching his his own video cast, his video blog, vlog, I think is what those things are called. And Trevor in the news for not the best of reasons. And I'll explain, we'll tell you that. Also, what's going on in the world of college basketball. Go Tigers, go. Penny Hardaway ain't going. He is saying, go Tigers, go. He's spurned the NBA. And in fact, Penny Hardway of the Memphis Tigers is saying, hey, not only am I staying here in the Bluff City and perhaps leading this program back to greatness, I'm going to bring in a veteran coach to help me. I'll tell you who that veteran coach, and when I mean veteran, I mean veteran. We're talking throwback coach to come in and help out the blue and gray of the Memphis Tigers. That information coming up in our sports report. We also have news headlines here this first hour that we're going to get to on the Y'all Show. Kobe Bennett dropping by in this first hour with a southern accent on arts and culture and a whole lot more. Hour two today, we're going to have a business report. Gas prices are up. Home prices are up. I'll explain why and when, if, if, when or if we're going to have any kind of relief on either one of those two fronts. Yikes. Some of you don't have to buy homes. A lot of you have to buy gasoline. And it has gone up considerably and could be going up even more before we even hit, let's say, Labor Day. Also, we will have an interview with Martin Keith. John Martin Keith dropping by. He is helping to put on an event in Bonacqua, Tennessee in the about a month from now. It's going to be called Live Fest. It's a huge contemporary Christian and just gospel type event going on at Johnny Cash's old ranch there in Bonacqua. And he's going to be here in studio to talk about Life Fest and his own music career, John Martin Keith, in hour number two. And what not only will we talk music and Christian music specifically with him, we'll also learn a little bit more about the business side of what this kind of event, Life Fest, is taking place. It's going to be over 50 acts appearing when this thing happens at the end of July. And they even have some acts that, if you're not into Christian music, You might recognize Joe Nichols, country music star. He'll be part of this. John Martin Keith is going to explain what Life Fest is when he drops by hour number two. Also, we'll take a quick look at the New York Times bestsellers list. And I've got to find out if a couple of celebrities still have their kind of reign going on top of the New York Times bestsellers list. One of those folks would be Bill Clinton. You know, Bill Clinton, the guy that was president. He's also a pretty successful writer and we'll find out if his book is atop the latest New York Times bestsellers list. Also, before we get out of here today, we have a, a article that someone shared with me about surveying Americans on polarizing food opinions. We have different tastes, and as we hit the 4th of July weekend, we wanted to kind of look into this and learn a little bit more about what foods are polarizing to us 
and all that courtesy of RTA Outdoor Living. That's coming up in hour three. Plus, as we wrap up not only a y'all show here on a Wednesday, we are also today wrapping up the month of June. And so as we send June off in style, we'll salute the sixth month on the calendar with June sayings and quotations. All that is part of the fun of the Y'all Show here on this Wednesday. Again, thank you so much for being on with us as we are the South's daily dose of Dixie entertainment, wisdom, and just good information. How about that? Does that sound like a good testimonial? I, I think it does. Let's go into the headlines across the South today. President Joe Biden en route to Florida as he will travel to Surfside and check out that building collapse where at least 11 people have been killed and more than 150 people missing right now in South Florida. As Joe Biden left the White House today, he ended up talking to the press briefly, but he's put out a brief statement, and he and the First Lady are going to be going to Surfside. And they're going Thursday. I'm sorry, I'm mistaken. They're going to Surfside Thursday, He's going to Wisconsin today, I think. I don't know where he's going. (laughs) This is a confusing statement coming out of the White House. So at some point this week, the First Lady and the President will be at Surfside to look at the devastating collapse of the Champlain condo building that has, again, killed at least 11. And we've got 150 souls still unaccounted for, and it's not looking good now that we're just about to come to the one-week anniversary of this thing collapsing there in the Miami Beach area of South Florida. Just an unfortunate thing. So I don't know exactly if Biden is Florida-bound today or not. I do know a Florida resident is Texas-bound today. Donald Trump is going to Texas to tour the unfinished border wall, and he's going there at the request of the current governor of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott as the two and other politicians from around the country will be gathering, and they'll be doing this at the U.S.-Mexico border in Texas. They'll hold a border security briefing with state and law enforcement officials at the West Laco Department of Public Safety headquarters, and then the former president and the current governor of Texas will go tour the border. Trump made securing the border a cornerstone of his administration, and declared a state of emergency in 2019 to divert federal funds to help pay for the federal border wall. But Greg Abbott of Texas, the governor, has come out now that President Trump is no longer in office, and he has himself declared a border disaster in Texas. He did that on May 31st in 34 counties because of an increase in undocumented immigration Some of the counties chose not to seek disaster declarations and were dropped from the list in an amended declaration on June 28th. That was just this week on Monday. Now, the amended declaration in Texas includes five counties. So let's see here. What can we tell you? I don't have county names, but essentially the counties that were pulled from this were El Paso around there, and then all the counties around the coast the three counties that touch the border in the very southeastern corner of Texas. I guess that would be around Brownsville, Texas. But everywhere in between, there is a declaration, and those people are looking for help from 
the Texas government, the state government, as it is a, a real unfortunate thing that so many people have come to the border really in the last 20 years illegally. There's a legal way to get into this country, and we all know that. But now that the numbers have just surged since Biden's come into office, it's really been a disaster, and lives are at stake, not just of the people who live on the border, but those who make the long journey from countries in Central America, some from Mexico, some from other parts of the world, and try to stem the the tide of illegal immigration is what Governor Greg Abbott is looking to do, and he's bringing in a heavy hitter to help him bring awareness of this. Donald Trump, again, in Texas today, helping out to show how Texas is looking to put up border wall all by themselves and not necessarily through the help of the federal government. you got to say that's pretty proactive there by the governor, Governor Greg Abbott, who some are saying that he is a potential candidate for president in 2024, which would be interesting since he is a person who is handy capable and we would have perhaps a second, if he were to be elected, a second president who has to be in a wheelchair following Franklin D. Roosevelt and Greg Abbott, a Vanderbilt Law School alum. Did you know that? I'm sure we know who he's rooting for today in the College World Series. By the way, they're going to be in West Laco. That is in Hidalgo County. And that, again, is in that southeastern corner, not all that far from Brownsville, the county seat of Hidalgo County is Edinburgh. The largest city in that county is McAllen, Texas. But they're going to be in West Laco in that corner of Texas today. President Trump making his way there. And other political officials. I know there's at least one congressman from Louisiana that will also be joining Abbott and Trump at the border in Texas. And we'll be looking for that video to come in. Now back to Washington, D.C., And I guess they just can't let it go. They just have to stay on it. But there has been another passage in the U.S. halls of government in the the House of Representatives, and it follows what happened last year. It's almost the same thing. I don't know why they're having to do it again. But the U.S. House approved a bill to remove the bust of Roger Taney, the U.S. Chief Justice, best known for his Dred Scott decision. They've also chose to remove the U.S. House statues of Jefferson Davis and other Confederate fixtures there in the statuary hall of the U.S. House. A bill passed by a vote of 285 to 120. Democrats unanimous in their support for the bill. 67 Republicans out of roughly 200 voted for the bill. Even Kevin McCarthy supports this bill to remove all of these Confederate people from Congress. I don't know where they'd be sent. I think it's absolutely a terrible thing. These statues are there as a gift from each of the 50 states. It is not up to Congress to kick out statues. Those statues are totally up to the state legislatures to decide which two fixtures from a state gets put on display in Washington, D.C. This is just, again, part of the reason maybe you could say the Civil War was even fought was states' rights. And here 
the federal government, specifically Nancy Pelosi, overreaching in my opinion. This thing got passed in 2020, but the U.S. Senate did not take it up or something happened where this ended up not getting acted on. And so therefore now with a Democratic-held or led Senate, you're going to likely see all of these statues kicked out of the U.S. House. Statues of people like Alexander Stevens of Georgia, the Confederates, the Confederate vice president. Robert E. Lee's already been kicked out by his native Virginia. Jefferson Davis is there from Mississippi. A lot of southern states have these historic figures that fought for the Confederacy. But not just Confederates being kicked out. As I said, you have the former Chief Justice of Maryland, Roger Taney, his bust which is prominently on display at the U.S. House, it's getting packed up and sent away to gosh knows where. In fact, this is just the way this stuff works. The Taney bust would be replaced, according to this bill, by Thurgood Marshall, the first black justice on the nation's high court. Now, the Taney Marble bust is just outside a room in the Capitol where the Supreme Court met from 1810 to 1860. And Taney was the country's fifth chief justice. And there, in the days before the war between the states, he announced the Dred Scott decision. A lot of people call that the worst decision in the court's history. But that was over 150 years ago. Times have changed. And I'm not saying that He was a saint by any means. But here we go once again, Congress overstretching, in my opinion, their role. This is a role that you have to let the states decide what goes on in their own two spots in Statuary Hall. Okay, enough artwork talk here on today's Y'all Show. Speaking of Washington, D.C., the National Archives being criticized by Republicans over a report labeling Rotunda, the Rotunda there, a structural racism example. So we're here back talking about essentially the same building in Washington, D.C., the Capitol Rotunda, and now Republicans taking aim at the National Archives and Records Administration, NARA, over that agency's task force report that called the National Archives own Rotunda, an example of, quote, structural racism. That report, which was critical of the Founding Fathers, claimed that the Rotunda, which houses the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, is an example of, quote, structural racism because it lauds wealthy white men in the nation's founding while marginalizing BIPOC, that's black, indigenous, and other people of color, as well as women in other communities. Woke, woke, woke. Right there at the National Rotunda, Washington, D.C. Now, it is about to be July. We told you that. And guess what? In a lot of your southern states, there are going to be a new law or two or dozens on the books come July 1st, come Thursday. So let me tell you just one of our southern states, what's going to be happening in the Commonwealth of Virginia. As as Thursday arrives and a new month arrives, there's going to be new laws going into effect in the Commonwealth of Virginia as Governor Ralph Northam has signed these things into law. First of all, in Virginia, the death penalty will be abolished, making the Commonwealth the first state in the South 
to eliminate capital punishment. Also in Virginia, as of Thursday, possession of up to one ounce of marijuana will be legal in Virginia for people 21 years or older. So you can tote up to an ounce of Mary Jane and not get in trouble if you're in Virginia starting on Thursday. State employees, including teachers and college and university faculty and staff, are going to also, starting Thursday, receive a 5% raise. State troopers will get an additional 3% raise plus pay for each year of service. So troopers get three, teachers get five. Hmm. Doesn't quite add up, in my opinion, based on the fact that these troopers... I don't think troopers have stayed home this last year and done virtual. They've had to go in and work. They've had to put their lives on the line. But I'm not a Virginia resident, so if you don't like it, you can vote all these people out of office as they get ready to change the laws. Speaking of teachers, one teacher in Alabama has been in the news this week as she's had to resign after homophobic, racist slurs of her were caught on video. Now, I'm going to tell you what this woman did in Kanaka County, and that is in South Alabama. I'm going to tell you what a little bit of what she said and did, but I'm actually going to come to her defense because this is just wrong that we've come up to this in a, as a society and we get away with it. This teacher resigning in Kanaka County, Alabama, after a video surfaced of her using these slurs, homophobic, racist, and what they call ableist sir slurs I, I i'm not that familiar with that term i'm gonna have to look that one up this is a teacher at Southside preparatory magnet academy in conica county alabama i'm not even going to tell you her name i don't think that's fair i don't think that's fair because part of the reason i'm telling the story is to somewhat come to her defense because she did say some things she should not have said but she said it while in a heated argument with her child's father and she threw objects at him and then called him offensive names, all of which were captured on video. And who out there in their darkest times when you're in a personal argument, in this case she's arguing with her child's father, likely someone who's not living with her now, and somebody standing on the side decides to put this out there for the whole world to see. That's what happened. And now this teacher resigning after a special called meeting there at Southside Preparatory Magnet Academy in Alabama. The board accepted the resignation of the teacher. And the rest, I guess you could say, is history. But she resigns after a heated argument with an an ex-lover. We'll just call it what it is. And during that argument, she was caught on video saying some really bad things. Not going to lie. But how many people of you, how many of y'all have ever had heated arguments where you're proud of what you might have said in a personal, really personal argument with a person that you at one time at least loved enough to where you, you had a child with him? And that's what's happened there in that portion of Alabama here this week. That is a quick look at some of the news headlines here as we get this Wednesday Y'all Show up and going. We'll take a break, come back here after the timeout, and give you the latest in some sports news across the Southeast. An update from Omaha. We're going to have a Game 3 in the College World Series. We'll let you know about that and more news, including some Trevor Bauer news 
the pitcher for the L.A. Dodgers, in a lot of trouble himself this week. All that is coming up after the break. Plus, Jonathan Leifite got our ACC report standing by in just a few minutes. The Mississippi State Bulldog baseball team bounces back in Game 2 of the College Baseball World Series in Omaha. We'll tell you more about their absolute beatdown of the Vanderbilt Commodores in just a second. Welcome back. It is y'all talk with a southern accent, and let's talk a little college basketball as we look at some sports headlines across the southeast here on this Wednesday. And the University of Memphis head basketball coach, you know his name well if you follow sports. Penny Hardaway says he's not going to pursue the open job with the Orlando Magic of the NBA and instead is going to stick around his alma mater, the Memphis Tigers, and continue coaching this American Athletic Conference member institution. So Penny Hardaway back on Bill Street for the Memphis Tigers, it looks like. He did interview reportedly with the Magic and is going to stay now that he's deciding to stay in the Bluff City and coach his alma mater. Good news if you're a fan of the Memphis Tigers. Go Tigers, go. And here is an even bigger story, perhaps. Not only is Memphis Tiger coach Penny Hardaway back coaching the blue and gray, he's bringing in some heavy-hitting help. Hall of Famer. Larry Brown is expected to be hired as a Memphis Tiger assistant coach. Larry Brown, the guy that's 80 years old, the guy that was a college basketball player at UNC back in the early 1960s. He played for the Baltimore Bullets back in the 1960s as a point guard, then got into coaching. No, he didn't play by the He was selected by the Baltimore Bullets. He played for the New Orleans Buccaneers. Did y'all even know that there was a team called the New Orleans Buccaneers of the ABA? Yeah. Played for them before going on to play in other ABA teams, including the Virginia Squires. Y'all remember them. He's known for his coaching. He actually was coaching an ABA team back in the 70s, the Carolina Cougars, before ultimately becoming a college coach at UCLA. He coached Kansas. And then he went on to the NBA coaching the Spurs. I mean, these are head coaching jobs. These are some of the various professional basketball teams Larry Brown has coached in his more than 50 years as a basketball coach. The Carolina Cougars of the ABA, the Denver Nuggets, the New Jersey Nets, the San Antonio Spurs, the Los Angeles Clippers, Indiana Pacers, Philadelphia 76ers, Detroit Pistons, New York Knicks, Charlotte Bobcats, and he's also coached college basketball. As I said, he coached UCLA, head coach there, head coach for the Kansas Jayhawks. He was the head coach of SMU up until 2016. And now, after about two years away from coaching, he's coming back, it looks like, as an assistant for the Memphis Tigers. Larry Brown on the bench 
alongside Penny Hardaway. Now that that ought to be a pretty good little lineup yes. if you go in and see the Memphis Tigers at the FedEx Forum anytime in the near future. An update from the NFL. Dan Snyder is the owner of the Washington football team, the artist formerly known as the Washington Redskins. And now Dan Snyder has looked far and wide to find a co-CEO of his franchise. He looked far and wide, and he found Miss Tanya to be the co-CEO of the WFT. Who is Miss Tanya? That would be his wife, Tanya or Tanya depending on which side of the bed you wake up on, she is now the new co-CEO of the nation's capital's football team. That would be a good nickname for them. Now, this decision makes her one of a few women CEOs in the history of the National Football League. She's also co-owner of the franchise with Dan Snyder. The Snyder family purchased the Washington Redskins back in 1999. So husband and wife together, working together. I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or not. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it does not work out too well when lovers get to be billionaire owners of professional sports teams. Oh, to have that kind of problem, (laughs) to have to sift through. To the Major League Baseball ranks we go, and Trevor Bauer, the defending Cy Young winner from the National League, He's in trouble. He's facing allegations of assault by a woman stemming from a sexual encounter earlier this year, getting kind of freaky there in California. Trevor lives in Pasadena, and the Pasadena Police Department said it is investigating the alleged assault, which it says occurred around the middle of May. Now, the case could be turned over to the District Attorney's Office of California as soon as Wednesday, at which point a decision could be made on whether it will move forward. Trevor Bauer, who is now a pitcher, For the Los Angeles Dodgers, he's a former UCLA Bruin and now in trouble for this. Some strange things going on. His agent has already put out a statement denying any wrongdoing on behalf of Trevor Bauer. In the statement, the agent John Federoff described the relationship with this woman as consensual and called the woman's allegations baseless and defamatory. Now, I've been watching Trevor Bauer's vlog that he's done and it's really entertaining i'm i'm really proud of this guy for going out with a camera just by himself in his off time of which major league baseball pitchers do have plenty of of off time i say plenty they they sort of have plenty of off time and he captures all the scenes that you normally would not get to see as a fan of being a a professional baseball player pretty neat stuff if you get a chance might want to pull that up before all the videos get deleted if this case gets any more traction trevor bauer in trouble right now in the major league ranks to the college baseball ranks on tuesday my goodness what a a rebirth of mississippi state baseball as msu bounces back in game two of the college world series finals and they won over vanderbilt 13 to 2 a dominating performance by the diamond dogs and now after this 13-2 victory over Tim Corbin's Vandy Boys, it sets up a deciding Game 3 in Omaha. And this Game 3 set for a 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central start between Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's going to have Mr. Rocker out on the mound. And then MSU challenges with an 8-game winner of their own in this deciding Game 3 of the College World Series. And you can check that out. It'll be on ESPN2 when this broadcast from Omaha 
Hopefully they won't have weather-related issues like they've had the last couple of nights there, and they'll get that one up and going at the correct time. And lastly, some college football news on our scan of Southern sports here. LSU coach Ed Orgeron saying Tuesday that the Tigers will miss Dare Rosenthal after the starting left tackle has now entered the transfer portal. Orgeron had previously said that Rosenthal had the potential to be a first-round NFL draft pick. And again, Rosenthal, the starting left tackle, deciding to take his talent elsewhere and will not be with the LSU Tigers as he entered the transfer portal on Monday. With Rosenthal's departure from the LSU football team, it looks like Cam Wire will end up taking over at left tackle for the Bayou Bengals. The Bayou Bengals are scheduled to open their season September 4th on the road at UCLA. And that is a look at some of the sports headlines of the South, but we're not done here on the Y'all Show we're going to take a break, come right back, and be joined by Jonathan Leifheit. He's with 247sports.com and the CBS Sports Network, and he'll be dropping by to give us a thing, a report on all things Atlantic Coast Conference. You don't want to miss out on what he's got to say about NC State, in our opinion, getting kind of screwed, and NC State can claim a national championship, at least according to the Y'all Show and y'all.com. It's Mr. Leifheit. He's coming up next on the show all about the South. back here on talking about everything southern i'm john rawl time now here on y'all talk with a southern accent to bring on our acc insider jonathan lifeheit he is with 24 7 sports and the cbs sports digital network and we bring him on here weekly to give us all the scoop of acc football and other sports within the atlantic coast conference and we're going to have him on today to talk a lot about acc baseball Jonathan Leifheit, I can't believe what's just happened in Omaha, and the ACC ought to be a little bit peeved. Yeah, they should, and, and I'll be honest with you, the response that I saw out of the both uh, NC State Athletic Director and as well as the commissioner was uh, about as bland and milk toast as can be, and they should have been a lot, uh, probably a, a lot more... Uh, um, firm in their messaging back to the NCAA on this. I felt like NC State just got completely screwed over on the, on the, on the whole deal. And it wasn't just the, the fact that, you know, they were the, the COVID thing and, and whatnot. It was also a lot of it had to do with the timing, the messaging, the lack of messaging, lack of communication, um, and what they were told and what they weren't told, probably more importantly. Uh, it, it just, to me, seemed like uh, NC State did not get you know, fair treatment out of the out of the whole thing, and, and if I'm an NC State fan, uh, I, I'm pretty pissed. If I'm an NC State player or coach, I'm pretty ticked off as well. So I I, I feel like that 
NCAA did just a really poor job of, of handling it. Um, you know, the way the whole thing went down, mm-hmm. just not, not, not a good reflection on them. And in case you're just tuning in and you don't know exactly what we're talking about, NC State was in the college baseball World Series. They had won the first two games. They were on the glide path to perhaps winning a national championship. They did lose a game on Friday of last week to Vanderbilt, so they had to come back Saturday and play. The game they lost to Vanderbilt, by the way, they were down to just 13 players as they had a COVID outbreak, it looks like, and they did get out there. They played a competitive game against a very good Vanderbilt Commodores, the defending national champions of college baseball. But in the end, NC State loses that game on a Friday afternoon, and then somewhere in the middle of the night, they're told, hey, Elliot Avent, you and your team have to pack up and get out of here, go back to Raleigh, you're disqualified and you're not going to have a chance to compete for a national championship. That's just wrong. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if they were going to disqualify them, they should have done it sooner. And then second, just the way that the timing of everything, I think they let them, I think that the, the ruling came out at like 1 a.m. in the morning or something like that. It did. I mean, how do you make a, how do you make that kind of a judgment call and, and tell everybody about it after midnight? Um, you know, so just, completely ridiculous the way that that was handled and and i and i just feel like you know it's just another black eye on the ncaa meanwhile i mean i'm glad i'm glad to see it but meanwhile at omaha you've got thirty thousand fans coming into the stadium to my knowledge none of them are, are masked they're not doing these massive checks and these are 20 year old athletes at the prime of their athletic career i can't imagine that covid would be even that big of a deal if they even had it yeah, I mean, especially you're, you're right, and I made this point the other day uh, in talking with some of my uh, some folks. It, to me, I mean, you look at the the, the 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 risk at the at the level you're talking about for for a 20 year old, and I'm not sure why in the world we're we're doing much for them at all. And the, the other piece of it is, was while not all of them were vaccinated, most of them were. I believe all of the Vanderbilt team was. So I, I just didn't see – I just don't see the risk. Yeah, and I was waiting for some kind of announcement to come out that perhaps one of the reasons they were sent home, and this is just speculation at this point, but remember NC State won a game on Monday of last week, and they didn't even have to play again until Friday. So you've got three or four days there that these players have to, I guess, get by, and it, there's only so much thinking about the upcoming game can do these guys are going to likely have some kind of off time so i was waiting for some kind of announcement where they violated protocols and perhaps that was part of the reason they got sent on i haven't been told that but uh man i just feel for anybody who's got to stick around omaha nebraska for about four extra days (laughs) yeah at least it wasn't in the winter john that's the good news well i haven't been to omaha in the winter spring summer or fall but I don't care where you are, even if the, even if I'm stuck at the beach, four days in a hotel room, uh, I could find better things to do, Jonathan Lifeite, especially when I'm a good-looking 20-year-old baseball player. Yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice if we'd ever had that, huh? Yeah, with that beautiful flowing hair a lot of those guys have. But in the end, NC State gets sent home. I don't know if you saw the video. They go back to Raleigh, and they're at their baseball stadium – a crowd in the nighttime hours. I don't know exactly what time they got back to Raleigh, but they were greeted by a very, very large crowd. Elliot Avon had the bullhorn out there, and he spoke to the fans, and it was really touching, a very, very moving thing to see NC State welcome back home to Raleigh. 
Yeah, you know, and they deserve that. They they had a fantastic season. They started out slow and then really surged at the end of the year. Um, got themselves into a position, and then you know to go to go go into the regional. I think they lost the first game there, then came back and won it all. Go into uh, Arkansas, the number one team in the country, get blown out twenty to one their first game, and then came back and won the next two. You know, this was a team they they really had a lot of heart. They showed showed a lot of a. Uh, a lot of heart and a, and a lot of courage in how they played their year out. And so, you know, hats off to them. And, man, do I, I sure hate to see how their season ended. It did. However, Jonathan, some positive news. I'm sure you read it about it in your morning newspaper. Did you see where y'all.com and the y'all show has declared the NC State Wolfpack baseball team a, not the, a national champion of college baseball? What do you think of that? That's a pretty good idea, actually. Yeah. I, I, I I think uh, you know, given given how it was handled and everything, I, I I have no objections to that whatsoever. Well, they deserve it. They went into Arkansas, the number one team in the country. They won that, and had they not been uh, hamstrung and had so many players sitting on the bench, they could have easily defeated Vanderbilt, or at least having a fifty fifty shot in that one game. And then if let's let's say they even lost that one, they could have come back. We saw what Vanderbilt did on Tuesday. They got walloped by Mississippi State in Game Two of the finals. NC State deserves to be a split national champion and jonathan i know you know a thing or two about split national championships uh well i, I just know that the, the the team from the acc should have gotten should have gotten it in both cases <laughs> I, I'm, I'm referencing 1990 i don't know what you're talking about yes yeah, well I'm, I'm talking about you know uh, we've got the nc state thing and of course 1990 as well oh yeah okay all right we're talking with jonathan life 24 7 24-7 sports here on the Y'all Show, and we have our ACC report here with Jonathan. Let's talk a little football. Speaking of the Yellow Jackets, big news here this week in terms of the NFL regarding a former Georgia Tech wide receiver as Demarius Thomas has decided to hang up his cleats, retiring after 10 years. He's retiring as a Denver Bronco. Jonathan, your thoughts on Bebe Thomas leaving professional football? Yeah, uh, Bebe was a, a you know a great player at Georgia Tech. Left after uh, um, you know he played his years there and, and just had a had a fantastic career. And then you know he really uh, he really did well in the NFL. Really big physical receiver um, and uh, and played well. And just also just a, if you if you ever read anything about his uh, his circumstances, really had a tough upbringing. His mom you know went to prison, raised by his grandparents, his aunts, and his uncles. Um, and, uh, and he overcomes all of that and just turns out to be a terrific, terrific young man and, uh, and grows into a, into a, a great person. So, uh, hats off to him and, uh, and, uh, you know, thanks for all the memories that, he, that he's given us over the years. But Jonathan, here's an example of a second player in at least the last 15 years who has gone on from Georgia Tech and done great things in the NFL as a wide receiver. His predecessor would be Calvin Johnson. How in the world has Georgia Tech become kind of a great wide receiver school? Well, it's all about recruiting and talent, uh, you know, and then development. They, you know, uh, you know, Calvin didn't play in the triple option, but Demarius did, and they gave him one-on-one, um, one-on-one opportunities, and he made the most of them. Well, he did that, and he went on to the NFL and ended up being with the Broncos at just the right time to help them win a Super Bowl with a guy named Manning at quarterback. Congratulations after, again, a 10-year career Bebe Demarius Thomas is hanging it up 
in the NFL. Jonathan, we're about to turn the calendar into July. That means we got media days in Charlotte here in just a few weeks, and we've got football now two months away. Absolutely. And uh, uh, we'll be up there. Uh, uh, my staff will actually be on site for the for the media days and uh, covering that fully. So we're looking forward to it. Jonathan, anything football-wise you've heard, kind of like a gossip between you and all the other 24-7 sports publishers out there? Uh, you know, nothing from a league-wide perspective. Um, you know, it, it's I, the uh, I think the biggest thing you know is going to be we'll see as they move into the into the twelve team playoff um, that type of thing. We'll see kind of how the ACC fares from that. But uh, by and large, I think everybody's just excited really to to see the season start again and, and hopefully have what we could call a more normal season than last year. Well, seven members of the ACC have been added to the Walter Camp preseason All-American team. First team selections were Clemson defensive lineman Brian Brees and wide receiver Justin Ross. Also from North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell, Miami punter Lou Headley. Second team distinctions come from Clemson offensive lineman Jordan McFadden, Clemson defensive lineman Miles Murphy, and Pitt defensive lineman Elijah Cansey. Those, again, seven from the ACC on this Walter Camp Football Foundation preseason All-American team with players like Brees, Ross, and Sam Howell kind of being the big headliners of this thing. How about that? Yeah, um, you know, absolutely. I mean, it just goes to show that the kind of talent that the ACC has got in there and, you know, a lot of top players in the country are playing in that league. And I don't want to leave out Lou Headley of the Miami Hurricanes. Never underestimate the punter, Jonathan. <laughs> Absolutely. And I don't know if that's a good thing when a punter makes an All-American team because you don't normally get a lot of punting time unless your team is just not able to move the ball down the field and you're getting a lot of punt options. Well, you know, but nonetheless, having a having a punter that can flip the field and give you, you know, kind of uh, some, some uh, field position advantages is definitely, a, a, you know, a good thing. Yeah, well... Again, the first weekend of ACC football, Labor Day weekend. In fact, I have here a listing of the Labor Day weekend football game times and networks. That's just come out from the ACC. And on Thursday, September 2nd, it's USF at NC State. North Carolina, Virginia Tech on September 3rd. That's a Friday. Old Dominion at Wake Forest also on that Friday, and then when you get to Saturday, ABC's got two ACC teams back-to-back with Miami and Alabama at the Chick-fil-A kickoff game in Atlanta. That's followed by Clemson and Georgia from Charlotte at the Dukes-Mayo Classic. Also on that fourth day of September, Colgate will be at Boston College. The Duke Blue Devils on the road at Charlotte. Wow, that's a little bit of a change there with the 49ers welcoming in the Blue Devils to Richardson Stadium. Northern Illinois will be at Georgia Tech, UMass at Pitt, Syracuse at Ohio, and William and Mary, the tribe, visiting the Virginia Cavaliers. On Sunday, September 5th, it's Notre Dame in Tallahassee to take on the FSU Seminoles. That's a primetime ABC contest on Labor Day Sunday. Then Labor Day Monday, the Louisville Cardinals in Atlanta for the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. They take on Mississippi that night on ESPN. That's your opening weekend football lineup for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Jonathan, we appreciate it. Thank you for your knowledge of all things ACC, and we'll catch up with you again down the road. All right, sounds good. You guys have a great week. 
All right, Jonathan Leifite, 24-7 Sports and the CBS Sports Digital Network. We'll come back, wrap up this hour with Kobe Bennett and a Southern accent. Thank y'all. Southern accent. Here's an accent on the South from y'all.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. While the 4th of July holds great historical significance as the day our country declared its independence during the American Revolution, it also holds relevance within the Civil War as well. The Siege of Vicksburg, Mississippi concluded on July 4th, 1863, after Union Major General Ulysses S. Grant and his Army of the Tennessee crossed the Mississippi River and breached the Confederate line. Vicksburg's surrender on that day would be a major turning point for Union forces within the Civil War, even more so since General Robert E. Lee had just been defeated at Gettysburg the previous day. The surrender at Vicksburg cut off Confederate forces from the Mississippi River and divided it by cutting off Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas from the rest of the Confederate states, effectively destabilizing them. Abraham Lincoln called Vicksburg the key to the war. Southern fun and more at yaw.com. July 4th, 1863, a day that will live in infamy, at least in Vicksburg, Mississippi. In fact, the old story goes that for many, many decades there in Warren County in Vicksburg, Mississippi, on July 4th, they actually delivered mail as kind of a sticking it to the federal government for making them surrender on the 4th of July. That's what I was told. We got more good Southern news and information and stories to tell you. And we will do that after this timeout. We've got hour two headed your way. We're going to let you know about the surging prices of gas and the surging prices of homes. We'll have a business report. Plus, John Martin Keith will be dropping by. He is with Life Fest. We'll find out all about this event coming up at the end of July in Bon Aqua, Tennessee. All that plus a book report is headed your way in hour two. This is the Y'all Show. The second hour of three is here. This is the Y'all Show with General John Rawls, CSA Certified Southern American. And we're going to have a fantastic second hour here of the Y'all Show. We'll continue looking at headlines from across the southeast and more. Also, we'll have an update on southern business. What's going on with the home prices? What's going on with the gasoline prices as they keep going up, 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 up? Oh, look out. I'll let you know about that and some other business goings on across the southeast as part of our southern business report and a guy who is going to be making we hope a lot of money and his organization making a lot of money at the end of july we're going to be visiting with john martin keith later this hour he's with an upcoming event in bon aqua tennessee that's in middle tennessee and it's called life fest it's an annual event and it is a contemporary christian festival it's a music festival that's got a lot of other fun stuff going on and then we've got the list of a bunch of artists that will be participating. Artists like Michael W. Smith, Newsboys, and John Martin Keith also participating in this year's Life Fest. He'll be here with us later this hour to talk about Life Fest. He'll also share his own story of how he helps people in the Nashville area get a little bit better with their guitar playing. 
And I need to sign up with a lesson there with John Martin Keith. All that's coming up here later this hour as part of our showcase on Southern Business and Business Makers. Also, we'll have, before the hour is up, a report on book sales. We'll go to the New York Times and find out who is atop the bestsellers list at the NYT. All that here an hour or two. If you want to get involved, man, it is easy to do that. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-816-1170. 803-816-1170. So we need a little catchy phrase like a lot of these commercials have for their commercials. And yeah, that's how you can text us or call, but texting's maybe a little easier for you. And we'll take your text and if it's good enough to read or, or share, we'll do it right here on the show that is all about the South. Our website is y'all.com. It is the South's homepage. And there you'll find great stories, great videos, and archives of the Y'all Show. We're also available in podcast form at applications like iHeartRadio and the TuneIn app. Free of charge. Check it out. Just go in there and search for the Y'all Show and we are right there awaiting your free download. It's easy, and that's why we make it available for you here on the Y'all Show. Looking at what's going on as far as the headlines across the Southeast today, we've already told you that Joe Biden making his way to Surfside, Florida this week to look at the Champlain condo building that collapsed Thursday of last week. Donald Trump is also packing his bags as he's visiting the Texas border town of West Laco today. He'll be joined by Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas. Texas taking the bull by the long horns, and they're going to build, at least they're going to try. I bet you the good old federal government's going to try to step in and stop Texas with a lawsuit. I think that's going to happen if it hasn't happened already. But yes, Greg Abbott and Donald Trump together at the border. And Texas is looking to perhaps build border wall for their own protection. And that is happening with Trump visiting Texas here today. The U.S. House deciding to remove the bust of Roger Taney, the Marylander, who was once a U.S. Supreme Court chief justice. And they're also voting to rename Confederate or remove, not rename, remove, get them out of here dozens of confederate statues within the halls of congress a bill passed on wednesday or rather tuesday bill passing one 285 to 120 that's 165 difference there in the number of votes with all democrats unanimous in support of this bill 67 republicans joining that means about 130 republicans voted to not make this happen, moving the statues. And again, my problem with this is the statues there in Washington, D.C. are all put there by the states. And it's not right for the federal government to usurp the state's responsibility to put their own statues up there, even if it is so-called controversial to some. I don't like what some of these other states have up there. I went and took a big, long tour of the Rotunda about three years ago. And some of those statues need to be removed because they're just ugly. That's my opinion. But you know what? The states all have the right to put them in there. And that's why this is an ugly story here this week of people like Nancy Pelosi jumping in here and getting into the statue relocation business. 
Also, we have the month of July hitting us on Thursday. Friendly reminder to set your clocks forward because it's going to be July, <laughs> not change your clocks. Now, that, I don't think that's going to be our law come July 1st, but we are seeing states enact new laws with the start of a new quarter. It'll be quarter three of 2021. Can you believe it? And in Virginia, they're going to have a couple of new laws on the books, including Virginia starting July 1st will be the first southern state to abolish the death penalty. The Commonwealth making this a new law, and it will eliminate capital punishment. What has happened to Virginia? Also in Virginia, starting July 1st, possession of up to one ounce of marijuana will be legal. Legal. Listen up, kids. You don't have to go to Colorado anymore. You can just go to Virginia. If you're 21 years or older, starting July 1st, possession of up to one ounce of Mary Jane is legal in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Now, other headlines. A couple in Louisiana shocked after the bank mistakenly deposited, get this, $50 billion into their bank account. How would you like to wake up and see that you are now the owner of 50 billion big ones? The husband contacted the bank in hopes that his actions inspire others to do the right thing. I don't know if I would call. Would you call if the bank suddenly put $50 billion into your little old checking account? Darren James said he arrived home from work in Baton Rouge back on June 12th when his wife showed him what appeared to be a deposit for the large sum of money on her smartphone. I'm like, where did that come from, he said. And all we were thinking was, who's going to be knocking on our door because we don't know anybody with that type of money to begin with. That's a lot of money. $50 billion, that's more than, I, mean, I think that's more than just about every single American except for Bezos, Zuckerberg, a couple others. I mean, some of the biggest, I know the, I think the wealthiest NFL owner is the Panthers owner Tepper, and I think he's worth north of $10 billion. And he's the wealthiest NFL owner at that amount. I think I'm right on this. I don't, I don't go looking at bank accounts all that often of my fellow Americans and Southerners. But 50, I mean, where? how is that even possible that that, that happened? Blame Russia. Russia collusion is what we can blame this one on here. But the guy ended up doing the right thing. James, who's worked as a law enforcement officer for the Louisiana Department of Public Safety, said that he never thought about keeping the money, and he did the right thing. And, yeah, he's right. If he did not go and report this, he would have had a knock on the door. But he he could truthfully say, Darren James, the 47-year-old Baton Rouge man, that I didn't do it. Now, my wife might have done it, but, but I didn't do it. But how about waking up one day and finding out you got a cool 50 bill into your bank account? That'd be a nice little surprise, don't you think? North Carolina is a booming place. And in southeastern North Carolina, come 2023, they're going to have a brand new area code. You can dial them up there in Wilmington and other communities in southeastern North Carolina with the new area code of 472. That's going to include Onslow and Duplin counties. They currently have area code 910. But right there in that portion of the old North State, a new area code. I'm surprised we haven't seen more and more of this happen in the last few years. But now, come to think of it, 
We don't have as many need of having fax machines. That was clogging up a lot of phone numbers. So the fax machine usage is down. A lot of businesses have come up with other solutions. They don't require 50 phone lines coming into a building now. So that's helped out. And now with the pandemic, a lot of businesses realize we don't need this gigantic office building. So we may see a reduction of phone lines going forward. But at least in North Carolina, the North Carolina Utilities Commission approving this new area code for what is currently area code 910-472 going into Onslow and Duplin counties in North Carolina. And let me tell you exactly what counties and communities that represents because those are two county names that I am not at least familiar with. The county names, Jacksonville, all you U.S. Marine Corps folks know Jacksonville, North Carolina well. Its county seat there of Onslow County is Jacksonville, N.C. So that is one of the counties affected. The other one, as we said from this story, is going to be Duplin County. Duplin County, N.C., another unusual name, a name I haven't seen for any other counties in the southeast, at least in my intense research here. Duplin County's county seat is Kenansville. The largest town in that county is Wallace, North Carolina. And they, those two counties, getting a new area code, but it's going to be two years out before that happens. So no need to go ahead and put that in your contacts quite yet. You can you can hold off just a little bit longer as North Carolina, that coastal area, really attracting a lot of residents, a lot of new residents coming in from all over, especially that place up above the Mason-Dixon line, y'all. Now to Arkansas, and what a unfortunate story to have to relate to you here, getting this Wednesday show still up and going. A Hot Springs native and a former member of SEAL Team 6, Adam Brown, was killed in action more than 10 years ago. And the gravesite of this SEAL Team member, Adam Brown, has now been vandalized as items stolen from this American hero's gravesite in Garland County, Arkansas. This week, his family noticed challenge coins and other trinkets taken from his headstone, the bald eagle on his grave, American flags also taken, and his gravesite there in Arkansas, undisturbed until this week. A family friend saying, it's a peaceful place, we just want that peace to return and again, things stolen from this gravesite of a SEAL Team 6 member killed in the line of duty for this country. And now, some lowlife or lowlifes going in there stealing items from this American hero. If someone would like to return the item stolen, they can call or text this number, 501-744-7422, and one member saying of the family that they understand people make mistakes. They just want the coins returned, and you can even do it anonymously. So if you are someone who did this, or you know a kid perhaps that might have done this, I don't think they're wanting to prosecute. They're just wanting to do the right thing and get this thing behind them. But uh, unfortunate story there of a American 
war hero, an Arkansas war hero's gravesite in Garland County, Arkansas, being desecrated here the last couple of days. And back to North Carolina for a story. A deadly venomous cobra on the loose in a neighborhood of Raleigh. A zebra cobra last seen earlier in the week. The state, the snake is not a native to North Carolina. It's actually from Africa. But it was last seen on Sandringham Drive in northwest Raleigh, North Carolina. Why would someone be allowed to have a venomous snake from another continent in this country? This is how we ended up having things like all those vipers down in the Everglades that end up now being 20 feet long and really damaging the Everglades with their just out-of-control numbers. And here we have a snake from Africa, the zebra cobra, on the loose. North Carolina is one of the few states that has no ban on exotic pets. Well, there you have it. And this is happening right there in Raleigh, the state capital, where there's a lot of snakes that walk with two legs. They need to make this law happen and ban exotic pets because they they can get out of control. North Carolina state law says it's not illegal to be in possession of venomous snakes if the owner keeps the reptile in an escape-proof enclosure. There also had to be an escape plan and specific locations for suitable antivenom. Well, guess what? Said owner, in this case with this zebra cobra, ain't exactly got it in an escape-proof enclosure. And therefore, this week, citizens in the state capital of Raleigh, on edge and rightfully so, that a snake from Africa, a venomous snake, could be on the loose. Now to Tennessee and another animal story. A Tennessee sheriff's bloodhound has helped to find a missing six-year-old girl that was allegedly adopted by her father. The father and daughter found barricaded in an outbuilding with no ventilation or air conditioning. And now this bloodhound working for the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, is a hero bloodhound after this young girl, six-year-old girl, was abducted with her father. And Fred the bloodhound sniffed the trail of Kinsley Reader and Nicholas, her father, to a barricaded outbuilding in DeKalb County, according to the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office. I think she may have been taken from Rutherford County, but... Ended up going to an outbuilding in DeKalb County, Tennessee. The DeKalb County Sheriff's Office had been searching for Kinsley since May 26 in an effort that involved law enforcement agencies from all across the volunteer state. The investigation eventually brought deputies to the Pea Ridge community where airplanes with thermal imaging and drones had swept the area where ultimately Reeder and the daughter were camping in that area. And that's when DeKalb County deputies called in Fred, the bloodhound, and they called in the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office to go in there and look for this missing six-year-old girl. And voila, they were able to, thanks to that great nose. Fred sniffed the outbuilding's door and doorknob, sat down signaling that he found Reader. And they ended up getting this young girl out of this no ventilation, no air conditioning building, this outbuilding in this portion of Tennessee. 
a good story and another example of how animals are truly a gift from God, especially if they are trained to go out here and save lives, as we have seen in this case. And Fred the Bloodhound, you are officially a great Southern American. Congratulations. And wrapping up some of the headlines across the South here in the second hour of the Y'all Show, let's tell you another good positive law enforcement story, also out of Tennessee. And this comes to us courtesy of Jefferson County, Tennessee, and correctional officers from the Jefferson County Law Enforcement Complex. And it also involves Waffle House. So can you imagine a story that combines law enforcement with Waffle House? Get ready, y'all, because it's coming. It is coming right now on the Y'all Show with the update. Again, from Jefferson County in East Tennessee, that is Dandridge. Y'all might be familiar with that, the county seat of Jefferson County. Jefferson County is east of Knoxville, and it has the largest city there is Jefferson City in East Tennessee. The story here this week out of Jefferson County is that a Dandridge Waffle House received unexpected help from six Jefferson County correctional officers. Sergeant Jonathan Bright told a local TV station that he visits the restaurant there at the Waffle House every week after a 12-hour shift. And Sergeant Bright said the popular breakfast place was closed for the first time when they arrived. A waitress apparently told them several employees walked out mid-shift early that day, leaving behind piles of dirty dishes, overflowing trash, and a short staff. This is a common occurrence, by the way, around the whole country, but even at Waffle Houses. I know because I was in a Waffle House the other day, and I got the whole earful of the only worker there about how people weren't working anymore. Sergeant Jonathan Bright, again, of the Jefferson County, Tennessee Correctional Complex, said there wasn't even a single clean dish in sight. There was one elderly woman in there. I had never seen her, but she had really bad arthritis in her hands. Looking at her, it hurt her to work a broom, so I said, we need to help them. And so these six Jefferson County Correctional Officers pitched in and went to work at the Waffle House to help get it back up and running. They were cleaning toilets, sinks, everything, according to some there. And they got this Waffle House up and going in East Tennessee, the Dandridge Waffle House. I need to know where that specific location is in case I'm ever traveling in the area. And if I want to maybe do a little extra work, I can pop in there to the Waffle House Dandridge and see if they could do a little uh, do a little mild work. Dandridge, I know where this is at. This is, this is I know where this is at. Listen to me with my bad English. This is essentially where Interstate 40 and Interstate 81 split off there east of Knoxville. A beautiful area right there. The French Broad River flows at Dandridge. It's just, if you're ever in that portion of the eastern side of Tennessee, Interstate 40 cuts to the east and heads toward Asheville, North Carolina, and I guess that right there is where Interstate 81 begins is right at Dandridge. And that goes on up toward Bristol, Tennessee, slash Virginia. But that's right there at that split in that area is where you'll find the Waffle House. And 
if you are in need of a little extra work, they could sure put you to work there in Dandridge, Tennessee at the Waffle House. Or if you're afraid you might walk in there and they're going to be looking at you and you're thinking, hmm, did they think I stole something? No, they might just be looking at you and trying to recruit you to come over there and help wash a few dishes. <laughs> Maybe they'll exchange a few dishwashing skills of yours for one of those delicious waffles. Nothing like a Waffle House waffle with that butter and that syrup. And then you can even get them fancy if you want to add in the pecans or the blueberries. I'm usually more of the plain. Uh, I guess I'm a cheapskate. I, I just get the regular plain. I'm going to have to splurge one of these days and get one of those. Because they always ask you, you know, what do you want on your waffle? And I'm I'm just kind of a boring guy, I guess. But, yeah, that's, that's one of my life goals. Whenever I get a big paycheck one of these days, I'm going to spend that extra dollar and load up my waffle. And I know y'all probably load up your waffles when in the great waffle houses and huddle houses of the southeast. And a good story coming in from that city in East Tennessee, Dandridge, with the law enforcement folks there in the local community pitching in and helping out and getting that waffle house ready to go. And again, I appreciate my lady that helped me the other day serving me. And I ended up catching it at just the right time when I went to have my Waffle House, my all-star menu items. I was the only one in there for most of my meal. And it felt really good. I like it. Don't y'all like being pampered when you go into Waffle House? Oh, what people in the North just are missing out on, I'm telling you. that we, we got it made down here thanks to good old southern companies like Waffle House. We'll take a break. Come right back. We will tell you about business items in the southeast. Gas prices, home prices going up, that and more. It's the Southern Business Report. It's up next. W. Smith, this is the Y'all Show, and I am going to let y'all know in just a few minutes where Michael W. Smith and other Christian acts will be. They'll be in Bonacqua, Tennessee at the Hideaway Farm. That's Johnny Cash's old property. And they'll be part of Life Fest that's taking place July 29th through 31st. Essentially, 50 acts all at this big music event going on in Middle Tennessee. We're going to be joined in the next segment. A little Southern business meets Southern music 
We'll be joined by a promoter with Life Fest, John Martin Keith. He'll be dropping in to tell us more about Life Fest, a party with a purpose. Again, taking place in Bon Aqua. That's in Hickman County. That takes place July 29th through the 31st. And we'll be joined again by John Martin Keith in just a few minutes to let us know more about this big, big event, one of the first major music events going on in the Southeast. And we'll learn more about the business side of that and learn more about John Martin Keith's own music journey. That's coming up as part of our Southern Business Report. But right now, let's go into some of the business headlines of the region here on this Wednesday Y'all Show. Gas prices rising. No sign of letting up this summer, according to experts. After a little bit of a change in price, with the prices going down nationwide briefly, gas prices are on the rise again, hitting an average of $3.09 a gallon. Hey, as Killer Bees, that great Mississippi comedian would say, y'all, save up! You better save up. we got gas prices going through the roof and home prices. I'm going to tell you about them in a second. But yeah, gas prices right now, big time going up, especially with the 4th of July heading our way this weekend. The average national price of gas, almost five cents higher than a month ago and 92 cents higher than this time in 2020. A petroleum analyst for Gas Buddy says Americans should expect to pay even more at the pump going into this weekend, which is, again, a popular holiday. It's a popular holiday to hit the road. So be careful. Gas prices, pretty high. Now, some states close to the Gulf Coast have decent, decent prices. What I mean by that is not totally ripping you off here. The state of Mississippi's average gas price, 271 In Louisiana, 272 is what you'll find there. I just saw in Mississippi, right? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and give you a little heads up, y'all. Interstate 22 stretches from Memphis down through Tupelo on into West Alabama, essentially going through toward Birmingham. There is a brand new Love truck stop that has just opened in Holly Springs, and I saw in the last few days. They had gas at that Love's truck stop at two sixty one. That's ten cents cheaper than the, I guess, average price of Mississippi at two seventy one. So yeah, that is the cheapest I've seen around lately. Two sixty one, Holly Springs, Shepherd Smith's hometown. Go by and see his daddy there if you'd like, and uh, and enjoy that brand new Love's truck stop. It's pretty fancy. Don't we love our truck stops in the South? We got Bucky's opening more and more across the South, and Loves and Pilot, and Flying J. They're kind of like a home away from home for all of us who are on the road a lot. But yeah, Louisiana two seventy two. Now that compares to California. The average price for a gallon of gas right now in California, and these people are supposed to be smarter than us out there. Four dollars and twenty seven cents. For a gallon of gas on average in California. Woo! Man, that's a lot of dough. So gas prices are up, so are home prices. Home prices jump at a faster pace in more than 15 years as home prices soaring in April to the fastest pace since 2005 as people in this country bid prices on a limited supply of available properties. Home prices soaring, again, 
fastest since 2005. The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller 20-City Home Price Index released this week. Average pricing of home jumping nearly 15% from the previous year. That's up from a 13.4% annual gain in March. Economists saying there's little sign that the housing market's blistering price increases are likely to cool off soon. Might want to just hold on to that house you got. You're going to be paying more than you ever thought you would. We just don't have enough houses out there, and that's causing prices to jump. Some of you, though, don't mind paying more, and you're in luck if that's how you operate these days. Jewel. That's the electronic cigarette giant, Jewel, J-W-L. Jewel will pay $40 million to North Carolina and take more action to prevent underage use and sales. That's after a vaping suit settlement in the state of North Carolina this week. $40 million settlement and will take more action to prevent underage use and sales, according to this landmark legal settlement announced this week after years of accusations that Jewel had fueled an explosion in teen vaping. A state judge in North Carolina accepted the first-of-its-kind argument with a state. The Attorney General of North Carolina, Josh Stein, had sued Jewel, accusing it of employing unfair and deceptive practices that targeted young people to use Jewel's vaping products, which deliver addictive nicotine. The lawsuit had been scheduled for trial next month, but they've come to a settlement $40 million in North Carolina in a vaping suit settlement. And lastly, with the business news here in the second hour of the Y'all Show, the U.S. Supreme Court will not sidetrack plans for a natural gas pipeline. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is the U.S. Supreme Court. The Supreme Court dealing a blow to New Jersey and other states that were seeking a way to oppose pipelines running through their land. Many of these pipelines start in places like Houston and work their way through the south, and then when they get up to the northeast and sort of the blue wall, they run into problems. And the Supreme Court this week giving a blow to New Jersey and other states as they were trying to keep these pipelines from coming through their part of the country. And now this decision with both liberal and justice, liberal and conservative justice agreeing here They had a 5-4 ruling for the Penn East Pipeline Company. The ruling says that companies building interstate pipelines, once their projects have been given the green light by the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, they can obtain the land they need even in the face of state opposition. Both the Trump and Biden administrations had supported Penn East. Nineteen states had urged the Supreme Court to rule the other way and side with New Jersey. But this means that if you're in the pipeline business, at least the Supreme Court appears to be pro-gas line, pipeline, and not have states try to stop a pipeline going through. At least that's what it, what it sounds like here based on this ruling, 5-4 ruling coming out of the high court here this week. That is a look at some southern business news items here on this Wednesday Y'all Show. When we come back, we'll keep the business side of things going with a music business interview. John Martin Keith, he's helping to put on Life Fest. That is a party with a purpose. It's taking place at Hideaway Farm in Bonacqua, Tennessee at the end of July. And J.M.K. is going to be dropping by. John Martin Keith, 
and he's going to tell us a lot more about this event that's going to bring in people like Michael W. Smith, country music singer Joe Nichols, newsboys, and more. Stay tuned for a fantastic interview with John Martin Keith. That's up next on Talk with a Southern Accent. on the y'all show and that the sound of a fellow that i met when he released that song back in 1996 that's a teenage joe nichols in the very first song he ever put out to radio six of one half dozen of the other i am john rawl this is the y'all show talk with a southern accent and joe nichols is just like so many talented people he found his way to music city to try to crack into the business and he ultimately did it in a big way but joe nichols and so many other great people across the south have not really had a chance to hone their skills over the last year thanks to something called coronavirus but they're all coming out of the shadows now and they're touring and getting things going and believe it or not i just got handed a flyer for something called lifeus a party with a purpose i think i said that right if i didn't guess what i got somebody that can correct me we've got john martin keith in go to his website johnmartinkeith.com he is part of this event a party with a purpose and it is going to be taking place in bon aqua tennessee in july and john martin thank you for stumbling in here to talk to us here on the y'all show Thank you so Thank much you. for this information. Now, how am I doing on the pronunciation? Yeah, Life Fest. Life Fest. Yeah, so it's like Life Fest, but one word altogether, L-I-F-E-S-T. Okay. Y'all were saving money on not having that extra <laughs> F in there, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Life Fest is what it's called. Yes, sir. All right, this English language thing still kind of kicking my butt from right. time to time. This is taking place in Bon Aqua. If you don't know where that is, if you're in Tennessee, it is in hickman county it is near dixon tennessee it's essentially that no man's land area of dixon county williamson county hickman county all coming in together it's a beautiful place by the way but even if you're not in tennessee if you want to come in there are a lot of people on the billing for life fest on july 29th through 31st at hideaway farm now i'm going to talk about that connection we got a heck of a connection with that place that's cool in bon aqua but you've got the Newsboys coming, Matthew West, Skillet, Michael W. Smith, and Joe Nichols, amongst others. In fact, John Martin's going to be there performing well. We're going to learn a lot more about Life Fest. Let's go ahead and knock it out so I can talk more about you, sir. <laughs> okay. So how did this come together? It's a party with a purpose at the end of July. Yeah, so Life Fest is a Christian music festival. It's the largest Christian music festival, actually, uh, in the country, based out of Oshkosh, Wisconsin. They've been up there for about 22, 23 years. And they've been invited to bring Life Fest to Music City for the first time this year. And so they've been invited to bring it down to the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bonacqua. And um, I'm just excited to be a part of it. Uh, my 
the director of the festival, John Doherty, and I are good friends. We've been friends for about 20-plus years. And um, so when they found out they were bringing it to Nashville, he asked me if I'd be willing to be a part of it, and I said, absolutely. And so I get to perform and lead worship and host a stage and interview artists and do all kinds of crazy cool stuff. Again, this is at the end of July, and people like you, uh, Newsboys, that's a definite name. Most people who are familiar with Christian music know about Newsboys. Mm -hmm. Michael W. Smith. He's the godfather of Christian music pretty much. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. (laughs) He can't be that good, though. He let me in his house one time, and Uh, uh, he he must not have uh, known much about my bio. But, yeah, Michael W. Smith is part of this. And then Joe Nichols, who I just played. A song called Six of One, Half Dozen of the Other, not exactly a religious song. Is Joe Nichols doing a lot of Christian music these days? So uh, Joe has put out some gospel music over the years, Um, and so he's been invited to headline one of the nights. And um, so it's a cool mix of, you know, of marrying Christian music in with the country community, because there are a lot of country artists who are believers, uh, who love Jesus and... um, you know, have the opportunity to don't you, a lot of times they don't get that opportunity to share their faith. And so um, I think it's a cool opportunity that he gets to have coming and, and headlining on Thursday night, I believe, actually. All right. And again, this is at Hideaway Farm in Bon Aqua, Tennessee. That has a connection to Johnny Cash. He owned that area. Yeah, he owned that farm for around 30 years or so, I believe. And um, it's a really cool story that I mean, the nutshell version that that I can tell you is that it was his, like I said, the hideaway. It was his private getaway, basically, that he would go hang out, be by himself. And the only person that had the phone number to reach him on the farm was his wife, June. Not even his kids had the phone number. Only June could get could get in touch with him if the phone rang. And he but spent a lot of time there, didn't he? He did. Um, and he would, there was this, uh, there's a creek area on the property that he would go and spend time um, reading his Bible and praying and playing his guitar. And so one of the cool things at the festival, they're going to do this prayer walk that's going to actually end at that spot where the where that creek meet. There's a couple of creeks, I think, that meet there. And um, that's, that's going to be a really cool thing. Now, you're not, I don't think, listed here on this particular I'm not part. on that because that's all okay. the, like, the, main, the main stage headliners each night. That's what that's well, you're our main guy today. So. Yeah, but there's going to be like, fi- there's over 50 artists ah. that are performing. There's five stages over three days. And there's also going to be uh, Bible teachers, uh, different seminar speakers, comedians, illusionists, kids' own. Um, there's all kinds of things that are taking place over the course of those three days. And so it's going to start, Thursday starts around noon, uh, and we'll go to about midnight. And then Friday and Saturday both start about 9 a.m., and we'll go to midnight each night. So it's nonstop. So this is like a cleaned-up version of Bonnaroo is what it sounds like. A very cleaned-up version of Bonnaroo, <laughs> Yes. And we didn't have CMA Music Festival in Middle Tennessee this yeah. year, so this well, is well needed. Yeah, I mean, we're one of the first festivals to come back full steam ahead and actually do live music and have people together interacting together. And so us as artists are excited and very much anticipating getting to perform in front of a live audience again and have people to interact with. We're talking with John Martin Keith here on the Y'all Show with John Rawl as he's here today discussing Life Fest, a party with a purpose as that's going to take place at Hideaway Farm in Bonacqua in Middle Tennessee, July 29th through the 31st. Great people participating. Joe Nichols, Michael W. Smith, Matthew West, Newsboy, and as he said, about 50 total acts spread out on different stages and more than just music going on at the end of July. And as John Martin was telling us, this is a bold move. There's a lot of stuff, just like the CMA Music Festival, that have been shut down this entire year. They were shut down last year, 
And so who gets a lot of credit for putting this together and making this happen? So there's an organization called Life Promotions out of, out of Oshkosh, Wisconsin, that puts on this event. So Life Promotions, a gentleman named Bob Lenz is the founder and chief visionary of Life Promotions. And so uh, to, be, to be honest, Life Fest is really basically a fundraiser for another program called Dignity Revolution. And so what Bob Lenz does is he goes around the country to the public school system and talks to high school and middle school students and empowers, educates and empowers youth to stand up for the value of every person. So they really, he's fighting against bullying, self, uh, suicide, self-harm, those types of things. And so it's this great program that he gets to go into the school system and talk mm-hmm. about. So Life Fest is really a fundraiser. All the proceeds from Life Fest go into making, giving him the ability to go into the school system and talk about the Dignity, dignity Revolution and um, and so what's really cool about Life Fest coming to Nashville area is that they're not putting on a festival and taking your money and then turning around and going back to Wisconsin, and that's the end of it, and we'll see you again next year. The, like I said, the proceeds are going to go back into this area so that they can go – so Bob can go into the school system and bring the Dignity Revolution to the schools in the Tennessee and surrounding areas. All right. JohnMartinKeith.com is your website. Again, this website that you can go learn more about a party with a purpose is LifeFest.com. That's L-I-F-E-S-T. That's right. Only six characters there. <laughs> L-I-F-E-S-T.com. Learn a lot more. It sounds like it's going to be a fantastic couple of days. Again, this is in Hickman County, not all that far from Dixon, Tennessee, is where LifeFest, a party with a purpose, is taking place now, John Martin Keith, whenever you're not life-festing it up here, you are a guy based in Nashville. You have your own career. You have a lot of things going on, including you're a guitar teacher. You have a production company. And you're a native of Paducah, Kentucky. So the Duke of Paducah is here with us. I bet you've never heard that term before. I've never been called that term before, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm just teasing on I had an old roommate from Paducah, Kentucky. Oh, really? So, yeah, I've, uh, I've been there in the shadows of the Superman. Yeah. That's on the that's wrong Metropolis. side of the that's river. That's the other side of the river, but yeah. yeah. That's, that's close enough. Close enough, yeah. But, yes, that is your hometown. And so you also have music. I'm going to play, as we wrap up here, one of your songs. You've got lots of stuff put on your on your site. What what song do you recommend that we go to break with here in a minute? Oh, uh, Can You Hear Me? Can You Hear Me. All right, let me dig that up. Tell me about your own musical journey. So I'm a, excuse me, I'm a Christian music artist. Uh, grew up, I started taking guitar lessons when I was four years old from a guy named Herb Chapman, who, if you listen to Christian music, Stephen Curtis Chapman, uh, Christian music artist, Herb Chapman is his father, and he taught me how to play guitar. I'm the youngest student he's ever had, starting at four, and I've been playing ever since. And uh, as a teenager, I became interested in Christian music and songwriting, and so I went off and started doing that and became a worship pastor as well. So now I get to tour around the country and do concerts and lead worship for churches and different camps and conferences and different events and things like that. And then, um, you know, like I said, I'm a songwriter and produce produce music for uh, different artists and also for TV and film projects. And um, so that's the nutshell version. You ever heard of a group called We the Kingdom? Love them. All right. We just had them on last week. So oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, they're going to be at the Life Fest up in Wisconsin. Uh, we're doing next week, July 11th. Uh, 8th through 11th, will be up there, and We the Kingdom will be there as well. All right, they're a hot new act, and I guess you can say that about contemporary Christian music. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, they are, and you also got music out there. JohnMartinKeith.com is your website, but as you said, you are, I mean, I'll go ahead and say, based yeah. on what you said, as a child guy getting started at such a young age, 
you are a guitar virtuoso, it sounds like. You well, teach guitar. I, te- I don't know if I'm a virtuoso. Uh, there's guys that can blow me out of the water that I've been playing for far less. But um, I love playing guitar. I am a guitar teacher. Um, I have a company called Edenbrook Music as a guitar teaching business, and it's my production company, uh, Edenbrook Music Productions. Edenbrookmusic.com. Edenbrookmusic.com if you want to check that out. And then um, I host a, a music industry podcast called You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry, and which is really cool. It's two Great seasons. Name. Yeah. Two seasons uh, are finished on that. I'm working on season three right now. And so we have uh, celebrities, working class musicians, and people that sort of behind the scenes in different areas of the music business that come on and tell their story of how they've worked their way up through the, through the music industry and what they do. And then they also give practical, real-life advice on, you know, on how to do what it is that they do in the business for, for the listeners that are wanting to or actively trying to make a living in music. They get real-life experience and real-life you know, um, advice on here's what you do, here's what you don't do. You know, and it's like the, it's the kind of stuff you don't find on a Google search. So mm-hmm. it's really, really, really great information. And I see you've got already 48 episodes in the can. Yeah, yeah two that. seasons. And it looks like a fascinating podcast for all of you into podcasting, which you better be if you're listening to this show because we're also <laughs> available in podcasts. And just like you can make a living in the music industry podcast, the Y'all Show also available in Apple Podcasts. Yep. So check all that out. But congratulations Thank you. all that. And I'm a guy just like you that found my way to Nashville at one point in my life. And I wasn't necessarily doing the singer-songwriter route, but I was very interested in music, and that's what led me to work in Nashville. And it is a town, I'll say this, and I've said it before, it's a town where dreams can come true. Now, that dream might be a little bit different from what you originally had planned. Yep. Did you go there to be a big singer? I did. But you've become more of a player and songwriter. Um, I mean, yes. I mean, I can, I went for all of those things. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't end up doing stadiums and you know, huge tours and things like that, like I had intended and hoped. But, got but you it. can make a living but, in the music industry. That's right. Now, so all that being said, <laughs> uh, that's true. You know, I get to do things in music that a lot of, a lot of other people don't get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very blessed to actually get to make a living in music. And, you know, some of those artists that that jumped out of nowhere and, and took off and were huge for a couple of years and did stadiums and things like that, they're gone. They quit. They t- packed it up and left and went to do something else for whatever reason, whether, you know, they just decided they didn't want to do it any longer or uh, the sales weren't there or whatever it was. And, you know, some people think if I'm not able to do this, then I'm going to just hang it up and go do something different. And that's fine. Um, that was never my goal was to quit. I'm going to keep doing it regardless if it's, you know, huge or not. But for me, success is being able to support my family doing music. And so I get to support my family doing music. You know, it takes seven or eight different aspects of music to make that happen. But I love all those different things. And so I'm doing, I'm right where God put me and where he wants me to be. So I'm cool with that. And he's mixing in the writing of songs, guitar teaching, and singing. I mean, yep. I'm not saying you haven't and, stopped singing. Yeah, but I'm a worship pastor, so I'm I'm out leading worship and singing and playing every weekend. All right. You know, it's just it's in churches and not in stadiums and that's but that's where that's where I need to be. Yes, sir. JohnMartinKeith.com is John Martin's website. We're gonna hear now as we go to break from you, Can You Hear Me? Tell me about this song. So this song I wrote this is from my first full-length solo album because I was in bands in college and things like that. Um, but my friend Jacob Wiley and I wrote this uh, years ago, and um, it's just a fun 
just a fun rock Christian song. <laughs> okay. And did you write this by yourself? I, I wrote it with my I co wrote it with my friend Jacob. Okay, Jacob. Jacob. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. So y'all wrote this and okay, so this is what you call a Christian rock song? It's CCM. It's pop rock. Okay. And so is this a song you could be playing on a Sunday morning in church? Uh, no, not this. I, this wouldn't be a worship song that I would do on Sunday morning. Okay. But um, no, I've got. I mean, I've got worship music um, that you can that you can listen to or buy on on uh, the websites and all those different places as well. Okay. iTunes and all those places have so it. I wasn't aware that there's already even in the industry a differentiation between. Those that well, yeah. So as an artist, you know, I'm writing songs as Christian songs that have a Christian story behind them or a focus um, from that from a Christian perspective. But it's not necessarily a worship song, you know, worshiping Jesus in that perspective, um, as opposed to a Sunday morning mm-hmm. worship, you know, worship time type song. That you know, the the, the story, the message is is a little different. The, a worship song is going to be focused on worshiping the Lord. Um, when you're singing it, it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Now, you're also a, a guitar player. You're not mm-hmm. a virtuoso. We've already demoted you from that <laughs> since you said you It are, depends on who you talk to. Yeah, I understand. Are we going to hear you playing big time in this song? Yeah. I, I assume all, we would. All the guitar stuff, all the guitars except for the bass are pretty much me. There's one other guy, I think, on there Okay. Uh, that's doing some some extra stuff. But All right. It's Can You Hear Me? And you can hear Can You Hear Me? When you attend Life Fest, again, that's coming up at the end of July, July 29th through 31st, with Life Fest, a party with a purpose, Newsboys, Matthew West, Skillet, Michael W. Smith, Joe Nichols, and a whole lot of people showing up there at Johnny Cash's old place, Hideaway Farm in Bon Aqua, Tennessee. That website, lifefest.com. And you can find out much more about our very special guest who's come in to talk a little music business, music just period, and his own podcast, You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry. John Martin Key, thank you for coming on today's Y'all Show. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, and here we go to break with a little Can You Hear Me? Let's get your Christian rock on, (laughs) y'all. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
All right, we're going to wrap up this hour of y'all with a quick look at the New York Times bestsellers list. Got five books right now currently in the combined print and ebook fiction category that are your top five. Ellen Hildebrand's Golden Girl. It is number five on the bestsellers list. Up on the list for three weeks now is Taylor Jenkins Reid and Malibu Rising. Laura Dave's The Last Thing He Told Me, also a bestseller. Brand new this week, Alex Michalides and The Maiden. That is out right now. The Maiden's from Alex Michalides. And President Bill Clinton continues to be doing well with his book, The President's Daughter. He wrote this with James Patterson in that book for the second week on the chart currently number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. When you look at the nonfiction category, Malcolm Gladwell's The Bomber Mafia. That is something to do with World War II. That is number five on the nonfiction category list. This book here has been on the list for more than half a year now. Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights, number four on the nonfiction book list this week. Number three is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Number two, brand new this week by Amanda Klutz and Anna Klutz. The wife of the late Broadway star Nick Cordero recounts his battle with COVID-19 and the hope she found in her infant son Elvis. Amanda Klutz with Anna Klutz. Live your life. Brand new this week in the nonfiction category. And Bill O'Reilly continues to be the number one book on the New York Times nonfiction list. Bill O'Reilly and Martin Dugard's Killing the Mob, number one on the New York Times bestseller list. That will wrap up hour number two of today's Y'all Show. Hang on. We got another hour coming up, including information coming in hour three on surveying Americans on polarizing food opinions. What? Do y'all always agree when you sit down at the food tables of the South? I don't know. I'll let you know more of what RTA Outdoor Living, their article has to say. That and sports news. All that coming up, Hour 3 of the Y'all Show. Hold on, we'll be right back. Get ready now. Hour 3 of this Wednesday Y'all Show is back on with you, and we've got a great hour planned, so... Hey, cancel everything you had lined up for the rest of the day and just sit back and enjoy another hour of Southern greatness because this is a show where we accentuate the South. We put the South up on a pedestal. (laughs) And uh, come on and join us on that pedestal. It's time, y'all. Feel good about being from the Southland. And we're going to help you feel good here on this third hour of the Y'all Show. We've got a look at sports headlines. We'll give you the latest going on in the nba playoffs we'll let you know what's going on in the college world series vanderbilt and mississippi state game three it's gonna be a slobber knocker between the diamond dogs and the vandy boys and that's going to be the national championship game played on espn2 this evening i'll let you know the latest out of omaha for that all that plus a retirement in the nfl all that coming your way as part of our sports headlines here on today's y'all show and then later on we are going to talk about a new survey coming from rta outdoor living it has surveyed americans on polarizing food opinions so yeah even though you might enjoy something yourself 
perhaps your loved one, your spouse, your your child, they don't necessarily agree with you. It could be your coworkers. They just don't agree with your own taste buds. And RTA Outdoor Living has come out with this research, and we will share that with you in this hour of the Y'all Show. Plus, we've got a look at headlines from across the southeast that we'll be sharing with you here as we will continue to update you on presidents going to the border, presidents going down to South Florida, all this happening this week. Also, before the hour is up, I'm going to let you know about how one Florida infant named Zane was named the Gerber Spokes Baby. Oh, if you ever have had a little baby, you just think your baby's going to be that Gerber spokesperson, or should I say Spokes Baby. Well, guess what? A little five-month-old Floridian is now the face of Gerber. And oh, isn't little Zane so cute? I'll tell you more about Zane, the Gerber Spokes Baby, when we get to our headlines of the Southeast today. And we're wrapping up the month of June today. And as a final salute to the June month, to June, which brought us a brand new holiday in Juneteenth, a month that it's been, oh, pretty hot out there. In some cases, we've even had four weather-related storms pop up that are named storms, the tropical storms. We had one this week that hit the South Carolina coast. As a tribute to the month of June, we've got a little something special before we get out of here and bring in July. All that right here on y'all. If you want to connect to us, our number is 803-816-1170. Text or call that line. You also can find us via email, mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. Did you realize y'all is the South's homepage? Well, if you didn't, I'm telling you something right now you need to remember. Y'all.com, four little characters on your keyboard. Just type them up right here. There you go. Boom, 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 boom. You just heard me. Y'all.com. And there you'll be connected to the South's homepage where we have wonderful interviews, video interviews, audio interviews, great feature stories, more coming. In fact, I just got, you know, part of the doing the show here is breaking news and what's going on. And I just got an email from one of our great writers and she's written a new article and I haven't even proofread it yet. Because that's another job I have here, y'all, is I have to publish the website, and I get to edit stories. And so this writer, Ainsley Lawrence, has just emailed me, and I haven't even pulled this thing up yet. Let's see what – I don't even know what she wrote about. I think I'm going to give you a preview of the preview, if you'll just bear with me as this document opens up. This is exciting stuff, don't you think? I know you're on the edge of your seat. I know you're there in the bed and you were laying down and now you're sitting up because you're wanting to know what Ainsley Lawrence has written that's going to get posted at y'all.com. Come on, Microsoft Word. Help me out here. Can you help a Southerner out? Ainsley, who's done great work. In fact, I guess I should brag on her more than just telling you about the news story. Let me tell you about what Ainsley Lawrence has written in recent months for the South's homepage. So i got to cheat i got to go to the website, y'all.com, because my mind is not that strong to remember what she's penned for us. But I know what she writes is good. That's why we have her writing. So you know, one of the cool things about the website about the South is we have a search bar. And you can go there and type out various things. And if we put it at y'all, that search is going to show what people have written. Okay, Ainsley 
earlier in the month of June, wrote the story, Planning on Moving to the South, Here's What You Need to Know. That was a really good article, especially for those folks north of the Mason-Dixon that are seriously thinking about coming south. Very helpful. Just go there and search Angela Lawrence, and you'll see this article posted in early June about planning on moving to the south. Here's what you need to know. Ainsley also, back in May, wrote the story, Throw in the Perfect Backyard Barbecue for Any Occasion. Very, very timely article, especially with the 4th of July hitting this weekend. She also wrote earlier this year, Keeping the South Sustainable, Green, and Vibrant. Very, very good article. And she's also written another great Southern-related sustainable article that you can find at y'all.com. But what's Ainsley turning in this week? What is she writing that we're going to put up at y'all.com? How to keep your southern home fresh and ready for company. Ooh, ooh. Getting it ready for company. And one of the things she writes about is reducing risk, meaning if you got company over, you probably don't want to have a bunch of nasty bugs running around. So that's one way to kind of keep it ready for company. When company is coming over, you might want to check this article out. But it's not at y'all.com. i got to get up here and post it as soon as I'm able to. So I'm doing quadruple duty here with the Y'all Show and y'all.com. And we'll get that up soon, uh, real soon. Check out that article from Ainsley Lawrence, How to Keep Your Southern Home Fresh and Ready for Company. And a bunch of you might just have it. You might be having lots of company coming over on this holiday weekend that is upon us. Thank you, Ainsley. Thank you for sending that over right in the middle of the show, too, so I could embarrass you on national broadcasting of the Y'all show. All right, so what's going on sports-wise here in the South to start out this hour of the Y'all show? Well, we want to tell you about the NBA playoffs because that is continuing on right now, and the Atlanta Hawks found a way to win, or should I say MLK found a way to win because that's what was on the front of their jerseys on Tuesday when they got a win in their Eastern Conference Finals matchup with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Hawks. Even up that series, the Greek freak went down with a hyper-extended knee, and because of that, Atlanta took advantage and ended up tying this series up two games apiece, and they were kind of looking like they might not come back. They'd had injuries of their own, Trey Young and more, but they found a way to get that win on Tuesday at State Farm Arena and the Hawks now. Evening up that series, you're going to have Game 5 take place on Thursday. One ten eighty eight Atlanta, MLK. That's what they're calling themselves when they wear that jersey. MLK wins over the Milwaukee Bucks. I guess they had a dream, and that dream came reality. <laughs> One dream they might have had there was for the Greek freak to go down with an injury, and that probably is what led them to roar there in that game, especially in the second quarter. They outscored the Bucks by 10 in that frame of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. Game six of the Western Conference Finals, it will be tipping off from Staples Center at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on ESPN. The Clippers, Suns, right now Phoenix with a 3-2 series lead. 
The Suns can advance to the NBA Finals with a victory. The L.A. Clippers hoping to just hang on and get this game back to Phoenix for Game 7, and perhaps they'll win there. But that is what's going on NBA-wise on this Wednesday. LSU has had a starting player leave the program. Left tackle Dare Rosenthal has entered the transfer portal. Rosenthal had been a big, big force for Ed Orgeron's football team. Now, he left school briefly last year and missed spring practice, but he returned, then was suspended indefinitely in October, and then later reinstated and wound up starting five games for the Bayou Bengals in 2020. He entered the transfer portal on Monday. His departure from LSU's football team clears the way for Cam Wire to take over as the LSU starting left tackle. LSU scheduled to open the 2021 season in the Rose Bowl, taking on UCLA September 4th. But right now, Ed Orgeron with a vacancy there on his offensive side of the ball with left tackle, Dare Rosenthal leaving, entering the transfer portal. No word yet where he may be headed as he takes his talents away from Tiger Stadium. Back to some professional sports news. The L.A. Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer now facing allegations of assault after a sexual encounter, an alleged sexual encounter happened with a woman earlier in 2021. The Pasadena, California Police Department said it is investigating this alleged assault, which they say occurred around the middle of May. The case could be turned over to a district attorney's office in California as soon as today, at which point a decision would be made on whether it would move forward with this investigation. The woman was granted a domestic violence restraining order in L.A. County Superior Court, according to an attorney. She got this against Bauer, and it's alleged in a statement that the woman suffered severe physical and emotional pain as a result of a recent assault from the defending Cy Young winner from the National League, Trevor Bauer, who's now playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, Trevor Bauer's agent, John Federoff, released a statement denying any wrongdoing on behalf of his multi-multi-million dollar client. In the statement, the attorney described the relationship as consensual and called the woman's allegations baseless and defamatory. An ugly scene there for Trevor Bauer who is a great pitcher. Pitched for the Indians, then he went to the Reds in 2020, and now back in California, he was a baseball player for UCLA at one point, and now pitching for the, I guess the most famous National League team is the LA Dodgers. Would y'all fight me on that one? And the most famous American League team would be the Yankees. And the winner of the most famous baseball team period would be the Yankees. I don't think I'm saying anything too wild and crazy with that. But, yeah, the Dodgers have lots and lots of fans all over the world. And now this star pitcher for them making headlines in Tinseltown and not very good headlines. The nation's capital making headlines, the Washington football team, naming Tanya Tanya Snyder co-CEO of the NFL franchise. She is the wife of Dan Snyder, and she's now joining her husband, not in marriage. I think they're already married, (laughs) but joining 
Danny Boy as a co-CEO of the football team formerly known as the Washington Redskins. The football team making this announcement Tuesday, and it makes Tanya Snyder one of the few women CEOs in the history of the NFL. She's also a co-owner of the franchise with Dan Snyder. And now, not only being a co-owner, she's a co-CEO as Dan and his family purchased the Washington Redskins back in 1999. Dan, Mr. Snyder, in a statement announcing the news, said, Tanya is one of the most important figures in this organization. and That has only become more true over the last 18 months as her involvement has deepened. Publicly, many know Tanya for her incredible and impactful work in breast cancer awareness and her leadership of our charitable foundation. But behind the scenes, she also has had a profound impact on the direction of the Washington football team. She was instrumental in our decision to evolve the brand and modernize our fan experience, including the entertainment team. So she's the reason the Redskins became the Washington football team. Sounds like it. After Dan, her husband, said for a long time, we'll never change our name. I feel sorry for them, actually. They they got so much heat. I don't necessarily agree they had to change, but I felt sorry for them, especially when FedEx pulled the dirty tricks they've pulled. And in fact, I think now FedEx is out as a Fred Smith, out as an owner of this club. I, if I were Dan Snyder, I'd make the Redskins great again if I were him. She joins Tanya Snyder, Amy Trask of the Raiders, and Kim Pegula of the Bills among the women who have had chief executive roles in NFL history. Now, the Titans' Amy Adams Strunk, daughter of Bud Adams, assumed the role of controlling owner of that franchise in March 2015, and Amy Strunk serves as the co-chairman of the Tennessee Titans' board of directors. Congratulations. A co-CEO in the NFL, in Tanya or Tanya, I didn't have her call me with the pronunciation of her name. It doesn't matter. If I were to meet her, I would say Madam CEO or Mrs. with a MRS, Mrs. Schneider, Mrs. Dan Schneider. I don't think she'd like that if she's... A very powerful woman. I don't think too many women these days go by their husbands' names. I don't think. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. But the old days of where you addressed a woman as a, if you were married by by their actual husband's name, like Mrs. Dan Snyder, I don't think that would be too too good. Just like the Redskins have evolved to the football team I, I think we have evolved from getting rid of those kind of uh, terms or if, if you, you might get your hand slapped some might still think it it's a great honor i, I don't know i don't know I'm, I'm not sure i'm not sure about all the cultural things and appropriations going on in the society that we currently find ourselves in let's talk about some college basketball penny hardaway the memphis tiger head basketball coach is not going to go off to the NBA. He was being pursued to be the Orlando Magic's new coach. He instead will stick around Highland, and the Tigers will have Penny Hardaway coaching them 
as he's been his alma mater's head basketball coach for a while. And here is a super added value bonus. No, Memphis Tiger fans, you are not going to get a slab of ribs sent in the mail. Your super added value gift is not absolute guaranteed victories over Tennessee and Mississippi. Some of your biggest rifles. I don't know if Memphis fans hate the volunteers or those land sharks more. I, I think they probably hate the, the sharks more, if I had to guess. But the big reward, Memphis, is that you're going to have, in addition to Penny Hardaway on the bench coaching your basketball team, Larry Brown reported to be hired as an assistant coach on Hardaway's staff at the U of M. The Hall of Fame basketball coach, Larry Brown, who is now 80 years young. Larry Brown coming over after, I think he sat out two years. Now, COVID probably had a lot to do with that. He last coached the SMU Mustangs back in the 2016 season. That ended up being, I think, a pretty good run. He, I think he had to resign ultimately. Yeah, the team was banned and put on probation and lost scholarships. Yeah, he kind of looked like he got ran out of SMU. But when he was there, at least at some point, SMU was at one point 27-10 and 10 and got into the AP Top 25 rankings for the first time since 1985. I don't know exactly what all he did, but evidently academic fraud had something to do with him being kicked out of Dallas. I forgot. the Is it Highland? I think it is Highland where SMU is located. And now he's going to be hanging out off of Highland Avenue in, in Memphis as an assistant coach with the Memphis Tigers. Larry Brown, he's been a basketball coach. He's coached. ABA teams like the Carolina Cougars. He's coached multiple NBA teams, multiple college teams. He's in the College Basketball Hall of Fame. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. He has won gold medals for coaching Olympic teams. I think he was the coach of the 1964 Olympic team that won in Tokyo. And now he's maybe going to help bring a big championship to the Memphis Tigers. And if he were to do that, Tiger fans, you could truly, with a big smile on your face, say, Go Tigers, go. College baseball, as we wrap up our Southern sports here, it is going to be the deciding game three between Mississippi State and the Vanderbilt Commodores. That is set to take place on ESPN2 this evening. On Tuesday, the Mississippi State Bats came alive and they dominated the Vanderbilt Commodores. And now, Game 3, after a Vanderbilt domination in Game 1, MSU coming back to life, controlling Game 2. It is winner-take-all Game 3 of the College World Series Finals. 
between these two SEC foes, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. Tim Corbin v. Chris Lamonis. Ought to be good. Hopefully weather not getting into the forecast for this deciding game three of college baseballs, at least one of their national champions. As we have said, and we'll echo here as we wrap up our sports of the day, you will have one of these two teams win, and they'll win the College World Series, but there will always be an asterisk on the 2021 college baseball season. And that asterisk is NC State, the Wolfpack, in many people's view, including this show, deserve to be a national champion. And so, kudos to Mississippi State and Vandy, whichever team prevails, kudos. Also, kudos to the NC State baseball team, as the Wolfpack will always be a national champion on this show. Congratulations, Elliot Avent and the Pack. We'll go to break here on y'all. We'll come right back and we'll talk food. But more importantly, we'll talk about kind of like there is a debate of who the national champion might be in college baseball. There's always a debate about food. And we'll discuss that conflict. We'll get each other through this big, big problem. And we'll do that after this. Stay tuned. sun's going down on this y'all show in about 30 minutes but hey while we are basking in the sunset of this wednesday show let's have more fun let's take it out in style if you don't mind here on talk with an accent on all things southern and with fourth of july just a couple of days away rta outdoor living that's rtaoutdoorliving.com on the international thing known as the world wide web Now, RTA Outdoor Living, the leader in custom prefabricated outdoor kitchens and cooking appliances, they have released the results of a new study that reveals what Americans really feel about barbecuing, pizza, and their favorite summer foods. This survey of over a thousand people from coast to coast revealed some surprising results. Did you realize, according to this research, 57% of the respondents say hot dogs are a sandwich. 15% put the cheese on their cheeseburger under the burger. What? Boneless wings are more popular than bone-in. That doesn't make sense. In some places you can't even get either one of these wings with a chicken shortage going on right now. 
And also, according to this RTA Outdoor Living survey, 18% of Americans eat their pizza with a fork and knife. Well, that ain't right. If you would like to know more about this, guess what? I have more data. Let's see here. 60% of men think a hot dog is a sandwich. 52% of women agree. So more than 50% of men and just people think of a hot dog as a sandwich. That's a little surprising. I've actually never put a whole lot of thought into it personally. Now, 56% of the respondents say grilling is the best method to prepare a hot dog. That 57%. So what are the other ways to prepare a hot dog according to this survey? Grilling and more. Over 12% think a microwave is the best way to get your hot dog ready to eat. Grilling is 10% more popular with families, or rather, grilling is 10% more popular with females, 62 than even guys. Now, 27% of the respondents that are aged 18 to 23 feel that boiling a hot dog is the best method. Let's move over to cheeseburger talk. 15% of the respondents say that the cheese should go under your hamburger bun, the, the meat, the patty. About 19% of men want the cheese under that burger. More men than women. Hmm. The best level of doneness for a hamburger in this survey, again, coming out to us courtesy of rtaoutdoorliving.com. Go check this out. Jamie Miller wrote this article. It's just come out. And according to her incredible, I need, I need to go give her an girl for this amazing research, life-changing research coming to us from RTA. The best level of what's called doneness, you know, when they say, hey, do you want your burger? The Best level of doneness for a burger is medium. 40% of the respondents said they want their burger medium temp. More men than women, that's 43 compared to 36%, were into medium doneness, while more women than men wanted well-done burgers. No bloody residue coming from the old burger when you get it off the grill. Y'all might be more into the rare type. I I don't know. Drumsticks are the clear favorite amongst wing eaters, far ahead of what's called the flats. Drumsticks, two of the three respondents, two out of every three, preferred drumsticks as opposed to boneless wings. Now, boneless wings are pretty popular. They are very popular. 10% of Americans think that squares are the best way to cut a pizza. I don't even like it when dominoes, I think they're the ones who carve up into squares when you get the flat option, whatever that's called, maybe Brooklyn. it's, It's really the healthiest choice out there when you go order a Domino's pizza because it doesn't have all that bread. 
all you keto people know exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, square pizzas, the way they serve it up there, 10% prefer that. Now, 90% of the respondents agree that a traditional triangle is the best way to get a pizza slice. 50%, roughly, 50% of the respondents put pineapple on their pizza. That's a lot. I mean, of all the choices when you go in and order a pizza that 50% of the people like to put pineapple. Uh, Hawaiian style, do y'all like those? That's the pineapple and ham on a pizza with a lot of cheese. One of my favorites, but not that you want to know about me and my pizza taste. A good old ham pizza suits me just fine. I've already had two ham pizzas in the last four days, I think. I have to really sit here and think about my food diary. (laughs) Yeah, I think think it was on two different occasions this week I've had ham. Maybe one was pepperoni now that I think about it. I don't know. I don't know. But lastly here, again, on this research coming in from RTA Outdoor Living, the great food debate surveying Americans on polarizing food opinions. The last thing to share with you here, 18% of all y'all, that would be Americans, according to this research, 18% of Americans eat pizza with a fork and knife. Well, that's just un-American. I'm teasing. Some of you have to eat pizza with a fork and knife because it's either too hot too greasy the real debate here that they didn't get to at least from what i'm seeing at least in terms of pizza is it deep dish chicago or is it that greasy new york style brooklyn style pizza both darn good and both not exactly the most southern food choices out there but we'll take it until they start making barbecue or deep fried pizza, that would be a good combination. Then we'll just have to leave the pizza expertise to our friends across that Mason Dixon line. But again, the website is rtaoutdoorliving.com if you want to learn more again about the American food choices and polarizing food opinions. <laughs> excellent, excellent material. We'll come right back with some news headlines. got a handful of minutes left here on this wednesday y'all show let's revisit some of the headlines of this wednesday y'all show and we'll start off in alabama where a teacher there has resigned after a video called her using homophobic racist slurs and this teacher resigning from the south side preparatory magnet academy and that's in conica county alabama 
turning in her resignation the other day. And as I said earlier in the show, it's bad enough that she did this. But a little bit of her defense, she got into an argument with her child's father. And Lord knows what happens when we get into arguments with our ex-lovers. In this case, she got into an argument that I'm sure she didn't realize was being videoed. And here, this woman, I guess we're all under a microscope in today's world. A nasty argument gets captured on video, and she ends up having to resign from the Southside Preparatory Magnet Academy in Alabama after this video gets released. And actually, her child's father has come out and said that he did not release this, that it was stolen from the cloud, I think is what I heard in this case. But, uh, yeah, we are in a society where anything goes, even if it's a personal fight, that is words only, no punches thrown. And here, this teacher, who had put in, I'm sure, a lot of work in her career, ends up resigning after homophobic racist slurs caught on video in Conica County in Alabama. In Louisiana, a couple found out when they went to check the bank deposit listings that someone, somewhere, had given them the nice gift of $50 billion into their bank account. And so 47-year-old Darren James, instead of taking the money and run, he decided to tell the authorities from his Baton Rouge area home that he had somehow found $50 billion in his bank account, and he did the right thing. And he did this after his wife showed him what appeared to be this huge sum of money deposited through her smartphone app, and they didn't know where it came from. They go in and find out that it was a mistake. Now, James, previously worked as a law enforcement officer for the Louisiana Department of Public Safety, says he never thought about keeping the money, saying it he knew it wasn't theirs, And he said, we didn't earn it, so we couldn't do anything with it. Hey, I would like to have money whether I earned it or not, frankly. (laughs) $50 billion, that might be a little bit too much to go through life and not be discovered. Hey, where did y'all get that money? Oh, it just showed up in my bank account one day. I don't think that would work and fly too well. But what a big hiccup there for his bank. And I don't have his bank name, but surely somebody at the bank is now maybe being terminated after this huge screw-up, this family getting a $50 billion deposit into their account, and they don't know exactly where it came from. And lastly, we have a new spokes baby, and it's a Floridian. Congratulations to Zane. Zane is the 2021 Gerber spokes baby, the five-month-old, is now getting his photo taken. And Gerber is making a bubbly personality out of the little five-year-old Floridian. And Aaron Aaron Kahin, Zane's mother, saying that Zane's our little comedian. He loves to crack himself up and even wakes up laughing. And we got a good-looking southern baby. Now... Gerber said that Zane's birth represents hope and perseverance. Get this. I just told you about Aaron Kahin, Zane's mother. Here's a statement she said. 
When I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 27 years old and a newly single woman, my doctors were unsure how the impact of chemotherapy, radiation, and a double mastectomy would impact my ability to have children. After getting married to my husband over a year ago, we surprisingly conceived naturally and had a near-perfect pregnancy. Our family continues to enjoy every moment and look at life with appreciation and a sense of humor. So, what a gift from God in little Zane, and a gift that Aaron Cain, Zane's mama, has overcome breast cancer and all that went with that to have this beautiful baby. Zane is taking over the spokes baby duties from the 2020 spokes baby Magnolia, and also Zane is taking up more responsibilities as the first ever chief. He's the, he's the CGO at Gerber. Zane is the chief growing officer. The Kahin family won a $25,000 check and a free Gerber product for a year for Zane's pretty little smile and his Gerberness and his role there. He's got a big paying job there as CGO, chief growing officer at Gerber. And this Florida infant there in the Tampa area is your new CGO and spokes baby for Gerber. And I know y'all are going to likely go out and go check the bottles and see if you see Zane's picture on it. He's a pretty baby. He's a beautiful little southern boy with a great story to tell with his mom's birth of this great gift from God. We'll come back. We're going to have a gift from God. A month of July, a brand new month, will be here within hours as we send June off, we've got some parting words of wisdom. That's coming up here in our final segment. up this y'all show wednesday thank you so much for coming on and being with us here got a good good time and we're going to wrap up this month of june with some Juneisms. we're going to tell you about what some famous folks have said about this six month of the calendar year edgar Allan poe once said at midnight in the month of june i stand beneath the mystic moon Ooh, put that one on a t-shirt edgar Allan. yeah John Steinbeck, in early June, the world of leaf and blade and flowers explodes and every sunset is different. That's what he said. How about Oliver Wendell Holmes? June comes in with roses in her hand, but very often with a thick shawl on her shoulders and a bad cold in her head. (laughs) Oliver Wendell Holmes, he also said, too young for love? Ah, oh, say not so. While daisies bloom and tulips grow, June soon will come with lengthened day to practice all love learned in May. Hmm, okay. I'm trying to find a really, really good one. Henry David Thoreau. Y'all have heard of him? There are two seasons when the leaves are in their glory. They're green and perfect youth in June, and this, they're ripe 
old age. That's a little too intellectual for me. How about we just simplify it with Jimmy Buffett? I'm going to have to clean this one up, Jimmy. Mm, your mama's got to wash your mouth out after this one. Jimmy Buffett, his quote about this month, It's so GD cold, it's going to snow until June. Hmm, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. That will wrap up the June month of shows here on y'all. Thank y'all so much for being on. We have, why don't you just say we get back together and launch a whole new month of y'all shows on the Thursday y'all show. We'll do just that. We'll have an SEC report. We'll be able to tell you who wins the College World Series. It'll be an SEC team. I can promise you that. We'll also have other great stuff coming from across the Southeast, including the latest out of Nashville, Tennessee. John Rawl signing off. Have a great rest of your day.